on March 24, 2003, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Hinkle was interviewed by Harriet Fleming for the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Yes, I, before we begin, I uh, did want to uh, make sure that I had your permission to uh, tape record this conversation. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, great. Then we can proceed. Um, you are, again, your name is? Harriet Fleming. Okay, and you're with the? BBC. Correct. Okay. Make sure I was speaking with the right person. Fine. <laughs> um, so you spoke to Rachel Moss last year? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, that would be I probably know. last November, December, something like that, of uh, 2002. Last November, okay. It might have been December. Did, I'm, just, I'm just ringing, really, to chat. I mean, we're not definitely doing anything. I understand. Um, and just to find out a bit more about um, Christian plural marriages. Sure. Um, so, what are you up to at the moment with... Um, the website and stuff. Are you doing anything, or are you just kind of living your life happily? Well, we are. Uh, Truthbearer is an organization, actually, uh, with the specific purpose of bringing Christian polygamy to the churches yes. as a foundational belief. Uh, it is not a libertine or a liberal uh, ideology or anything of that nature. Certainly not about flesh and and foolishness like that, but actually uh, we are a cross-denominational organization, meaning we have people coming from the entire span of standard evangelical, conservative, scripture-believing based Christians from various churches, from Pentecostal to Baptist, from law to grace, all, all the various spans, in, individuals that are Christians individually seeing the reality and truth of the scripturality of polygony in the scriptures, purely scriptures, and I only mean the Old and New Testament scriptures and not anything else. This is not Mormon polygamy or anything of that nature. Right. And what, what's the sort of stuff in the Old script, Scriptures? I'm sorry? What, could you give me an example of the sort of stuff in the Scriptures? Sure. Well, the first thing that happens for most people is they take a look at the Bible in a deep study. And in the deep study, the first thing that hits you is how many holy men of God in the scriptures, I mean, big, important men, like Abraham and David yeah. and, and even Moses, were polygamists. Now, it, it flies in the face of uh, reason to say, how could it be that polygamy is a sin and these great leaders of the faith, beginners of the faith, as it were, were polygamists and were never called to count to it? Then you do a study of that, and you discover that the word adultery, which is really the, the foundation of, of the, why it's an issue, yeah. the word adultery in the Ten Commandments, in fact, that's the first time the word adultery in our English language comes up, is in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. The word adultery in the Hebrew was written as na'af. And we have to remember that the scriptures were not written to us in the King James Version English. That is merely a translation of the Hebrew. Right. When you go back to the Hebrew word, you discover that the Hebrew text of that commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, the word adultery is na'af, and the meaning of na'af is woman that breaketh wedlock. Right. 
therein do you discover how it is not adultery for a man who would marry more than one woman as long as she is not another man's wife is not committing adultery because he is not causing any woman to break her wedlock contract then you discover that there's actually verses in the Bible that go so far as to even regulate polygamy such as 22 verses later only 22 verses later after the seventh commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery after that is given Exodus 21.10 says if he take him another wife her food, her raiment and her duty of marriage shall not be diminished now here we have a verse only 22 verses after the seventh commandment actually expressing how if you take another wife you're not to diminish that of the other yeah. And then in another book of uh, of the first five books that Moses wrote, the book of Deuteronomy, says that a verse even begins with, in Deuteronomy 21, verse 15, if a man have two wives. Now, if it was a sin, it would not be possible to be in in the law itself. And this was actually the law when you're under the law. Now, of course, as Christians, there is the new covenant theology with Jesus Christ coming and we're no longer under the law. But by what's called the law of God, we know what is sin. And under the law, it was certainly oppressive, and Christ came to free us as Christians. We understand that. We're not under the law. But if it was a sin, it would never have been in the law. And even more importantly, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Uh Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy were written by Moses. This is a well-established known fact. And Moses himself was a polygamist. Yeah. And so by Exodus 2.21 and uh, Numbers uh, 12.1. The, that means all the teachings that suggest monogamy is the rule because of Adam only had one Eve. Well, the story of Adam and Eve appears where? In Genesis. Written by whom? polygamous Moses the the two shall be one flesh that Jesus requotes that is also often used against polygamy was Jesus requoting Genesis 224 who wrote Genesis 224 polygamous Moses Jesus never condemned or came against Moses for his polygamy it is the issue of adultery, of causing a woman to break her wedlock contract, that is the issue. So with that, Christians come to understand that when you look through the scriptures, there is not a single verse that calls it a sin, that calls, calls a man marry more than one wife a sin, and you have examples of holy men of God, I mean, holy, holy, I mean, great you know, leaders held up as examples of the faith. Yeah. who are polygamous. Yeah. And so you you have this this reality, and that's why so many Christians, just doing their pure independent Bible studies, have come to this realization, and they, yeah. they do so independently. And, and that's why we are, as an organization, you know, it's not about creating a new religion. Yeah. It's not about anything of that. It's, you know, uh, any other parachurch support ministry, you know, some ministries are out there teaching about how to raise your family. Other ministries are out there, you know, but they're serving all the churches. That's what we're doing in terms of bringing this truth to all the churches. We're not creating a new religion. 
Yeah. We are what's called continuing the Reformation. Yeah. Are you familiar with what that means, the word Reformation, as it applies to Christian history? No. Are you? No. You're not? No. There's a period in Christian history that's referred to as the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And it is where, basically, Protestantism uh, ar- arose. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. In, in Britain. Church, right, throughout Europe, actually. It was yeah. basically broke away from the Catholic institution. Yeah. And... Ultimately, and the reason for that was that they were saying, and that's where the phrase, I don't know if you're familiar with it, called sola scriptura, which was a phrase, you know, it, we're talking about the whole issue of Martin Luther, Calvin, you know, the, the, this was all part of what was called the Reformation. And it was about reforming Christianity back to the doctrines based on the scripture and not based on the traditions of men that the, uh, at the time the Catholic institution had established and set up. Uh-huh. And so that whole period of of basically bringing reform to Christianity that was brought out by the errors of traditions yeah. brought out by the Catholic institution. And the foundational reason for all that was to say that the basis of our Christianity, what we know is Christian and what we know is not, is founded on based on the scripture, period, sola scriptura. Yeah. So what we have done is we have realized sola scriptura, based only on the scripture, not on anything else, that when you actually look at all the scriptures, in all fellow conservative, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians yeah. believe, I believe in the Bible, and that's my root, that's my foundation. Yeah. And we do too, and that's the point. And we're saying that if that's really what you genuinely believe, then you have to look at the scriptures in the languages they were originally written, which is Hebrew and Greek, and when you do that, you discover that the meanings that we thought were meant were actually changed, and they were actually changed by none other than the Catholic institution also. That was another one of the changes that instituted the concept that polygamy was a sin, because when you look at the scriptures, you find that nowhere, if it's purely scripture-based alone. And so that, that's what we're doing. We are continuing the Reformation, that, that process of making sure that our belief as Christians is defined solely and purely based on what the Scriptures say. And the Scriptures actually do not call polygamy a sin. No. no. So what do you actually do um, to change it? Do you go and visit people, or do you just do it over the internet? Well... At the uh, the website truthbearer.org, yeah. we have uh, well various sections uh, laid out, um, you know, from content and topic and, and laying out the arguments. Yeah. We also have a what's called about or truthbearer.org forward slash about, and in that uh, we have our agenda, our mission, and our vision of you know what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. We are not after legalization. What we're actually saying is, is that government doesn't have the authority to define marriage in the first place. And so, in fact, we're actually after decriminalization. And when it, when it comes to anything you know, on a political basis, yeah. we are organizing together as believers of the truth of the scripturality of Christian polygamy, and 
by coming together, we are building a constituency and then going out and bringing this to other sources, con- persuading our fellow scripture-believing Christians, you know, just purely, you know, uh, uh, going out into places where, where, where fellow Christians, you know, believe the Bible, and we're discussing it with them, and we're encouraging them to really look deep into the scriptures and study it themselves, and look into that, and we are making great headway. Um, are they, how do they receive you, the other Christians? Well, there are... It's really a process. This is where great maturity comes in. Because it's really a sociological process of paradigm shifting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you need me to clarify what I mean by that? Changing views. Right. Right. As a, it's, a, it's a step-by-step. Sociological views, yeah. Right. As an example, uh, for the sake of helping such uh, Christian media elites uh, retain their credibility. Uh-huh. I'm not going to name names, but, I, but here's an example of what I mean by paradigm shifts. We have recently, in recent years, some of the great names uh, in, we're, we're talking names of renown, that if I said it, you'd know who I was talking about, in Christian media elite, yeah. that have made statements that are uh, paradigm shifts in the correct direction, meaning that going from the paradigm shift, uh, the paradigm of polygamy is a sin, yeah. to uh, to the other side, polygamy is not a sin. There's a series of steps that often has to be undertook, undertaken by individuals to get from point A to point B. And one of those first steps is the shift away from polygamy as a sin to polygamy. Well, it's not in the screen. It's not a sin in the scripture, but we're not supposed to do it. Do you see the subtle shift in that? Yeah. Okay. And then a person will go from there, and then they'll say, "Well, it, maybe we shouldn't do it." You know, it, it becomes softer and softer, and they come to the realization. Well, there have been uh, statements made by uh, the Christian elite. They know who we are, but at the same time, they also have to be careful because they have a huge constituency that if they made too fast a paradigm shift, it could entire wipe out their entire constituency and credibility and, they'd be, and then they'd be of no value to be able to get the message out. Yeah. And some of, one of those shifts that we have heard, uh, we've heard such leaders actually say that, go from polygamy is not a sin to now saying, well, you won't find the Bible calling polygamy a sin, yeah. but we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So we've already seen just in the last couple of years, the fruits of our work and effort, uh, that this is the shift that they've already made. And as we continue forward and keep going, and and as long as we keep maintaining, you know, our our walk as true, genuine Christians, and and the realization that this is not some denominational thing, that this is not some Mormon thing, uh, that this is not some cult thing, that this is purely regular, sincere Christians in everyday churches realizing this, yeah. that as we keep going forward, we will see more and more of those paradigm shifts. And what, um, whereabouts do most Christians live? Is there any area where they live, or are they all completely spread out across the area? It is pretty spread out. Is it? Is yeah, it? It's, not, it's not like it's some geographic... Uh, Phenomenon. It's not. In fact, actually, but they do have some small communities. I'm sorry. 
do they ever have any, are there any um, families that live close to each other or do they just live completely on their own? In general, I would say that most are individual. Mm-hmm. And we also recognize the danger associated with creating some form of community or group. Mm -hmm. The danger being that a lot of individuals lack a certain level of maturity, let's put it. And because of that, when you bring up a concept like Christian polygamy, instantaneously they respond with fear. Mm-hmm. And out of and and because the media has played into that, they respond with uh, misperceptions of Mormon, which is wrong, or cult, uh, which is wrong, or or any other forms of negativity. Lower the the now the current situation that's a horrendous situation going on with the news news cycle we're now in with the uh, Elizabeth Smart, yeah, and uh, what's it, Brian David Mitchell. Yeah. No, another fundamentalist Mormon, yeah. which is not nothing we're about, and the whole idea of his so-called uh, way of being a polygamist is absolutely abhorrent to the idea uh, that any Christian polygamist would have any belief in. Yeah. But yet, this is what will be presented in the media as an image, and so because of all this, and the media playing irresponsible journalism, There is that uh, reaction that can and does often happen by immature individuals not able to see past the foolishness of associating polygamy with one uh, weird individual like this uh, Mitchell and to see it for itself. I mean, if you stop for a moment and think with maturity, you ask yourself, how many times a year are teenage girls or younger being kidnapped? Horribly, it's a larger, profound number than any of us want to admit. And, it, and, it's, and it's horrible, and our hearts go out to every family in every situation. You have one man who happens to be polygamous-based, and all of a sudden, all of polygamy is associated with that. But you would never associate all these other uh, hundreds and thousands of other kidnapper men, as it, who are, we'll call them monogamous. Would you say you should ban monogamy because of all these men kidnapping girls? Of course not. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, just because some uh, person does a criminal act doesn't mean that the basis of monogamy is wrong, and it doesn't mean that the basis of polygamy is wrong. No. And yet, that's what will happen, and that's what the media will play on, and the media will not allow us to purely get the rhetoric out pure, because they always want either a circus act, put families on display, rather than just have a discussion of the rhetoric and understand what the reality really is on an intellectual, sociological, and theological basis. Do you know, do you know a lot of happy families then? Oh, yes. Oh, very much so. And, and all these news, news events that we, we hear about, you know, Tom Green, Kingston, uh, or, uh, or the current situation with Mitchell, this, uh, it's all abhorrent. It's har- abhorrent to us absolutely nothing that we would ever be involved in. Yeah. And, you know, and you think about this whole matter with Tom Green and, you know, the, the obnoxious idea of, uh, you know, here a man is, you know, supposedly so-called marrying his 13-year-old stepdaughter. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, that, that's abhorrent. 
Just, I mean, the whole daddy-daughter dynamic that's involved in that is just absolutely abhorrent. And, and, and what, is, what is happening with the, you know, the media will go into all that and, and lift him up like he's a celebrity or something. And next thing you know, every genuine polygamous man who, uh, who may have helped out, you know, whose family may have helped out uh, an abandoned single mom, you know, by, by their family joining and, and this woman becoming another wife of his, now suddenly because he's got stepdaughters, what, he's suddenly now what? Going to be viewed with an eye of, uh, of abusing his stepdaughters? God forbid. But that's horrible. Yeah. But the media won't give attention to that. No. And, and because of that, that's why, because the media will be irresponsible, that's why you won't see the genuinely good families wanting to be circus acts. Yeah. Uh, how big are a lot of the Christian family families? Are they as big as the Mormon ones or smaller? Well, as a, uh, as a phenomenon, uh, Christian polygamy is really relatively new. Yeah. To get an idea of uh, the history, actually a good history is detailed, uh, there's a website called christianpolygamy.info. Right. Okay, I don't know if you've seen that website or not. Yeah. But, but it provides a good history. And generally, uh, Christian polygamy is more of a modern phenomenon since about 94, 1994. All right. Okay, so whereas Mormon polygamy uh, really obviously traces its roots right back to... Uh, Joseph Smith in 1844. Mark, sorry, can I just get the phone? Sure. Hi. Sorry. No problem. Um, Mark, I might have to go because I've got to make another call at half past nine. I understand. Um, is it possible for me to call back at any time? Should I write to you? I would need to set an appointment with you, yes. I'd, I'd need to have an idea when to, when to set up. Okay. Um, I'll give you an email today. Um, in light of what time you said you were free. That sounds great. Thanks very much, then. Very much, and we will talk again. Okay, have a good day. You too now. Bye-bye. Bye. Mark Hankel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com